Chapter four of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee, Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part three, by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter four. London from April till September, eighteen twenty two. I play and lose. Adventure of the Hackney Coach, Madame Roland, Barère at Rousseau's Hermitage, Second Federation of the 14th of July, Preparations for Emigration. These conversations between the illustrious adherent of the King and myself took place at the house of my sister-in-law. Her second son had just been born. Monsieur de Malesherbes stood godfather to him and gave him his own name, Christian. I was present at the baptism of this child, whose only sight of his parents was destined to be at an age when life leaves no trace on the memory but appears in after years like the distant shadow of a dream the preparations for my emigration in the meantime proceeded my friends had thought to secure me a good fortune by my marriage but it was now found that my wife's fortune was in church property which the nation undertook to pay after its own fashion madame de chateaubriand had besides with the consent of her guardians lent the title to a great proportion of her income to her sister the countess du plessis pascal now an emigre there was still then a deficiency of money and it was found necessary to borrow some a notary procured us ten thousand francs i was carrying them home with me in assignats when i met in the rue de richelieu one of my former comrades in the regiment of navarre count achard he was a great gambler he proposed that we should go together to the m rooms where we could talk more comfortably my evil genius urged me on i went played and lost all except fifteen hundred francs with which full of remorse and shame i flung myself into the first vehicle i met i had never gambled play produced a sort of painful intoxication in me and if the passion for it had once seized me it would certainly have turned my brain in a state of half distraction i got out of the carriage at saint sulpice and left behind me the pocket-book containing the poor fragment of my treasure. I hastened home and said I had left the ten thousand francs in a hackney coach. I went out again down the Rue Dauphine and over the Pont Neuf, not without an inclination to throw myself into the river, as far as the square of the Palais Royal, where I had taken the unlucky conveyance. There I questioned the Savoyards who watered the horses and described the carriage. They indicated a number at a guess. The police commissary of the quarter informed me that the vehicle bearing that number belonged to a letter out of conveyances at the far end of the Faubourg Saint-Denis. I set off and stayed all night in the stables, awaiting the return of the vehicles. First came a great number, none of which was the one I wanted, but at length at two in the morning came my equipage. I had scarcely time to recognise the two white horses, when the poor beasts, broken down, stiff and wearied, fell down on the straw with their legs stretched out, as if they were dead. The driver remembered my having hired him. After me he had driven a citizen who had been set down at the Jacobin Club, after the citizen a lady whom he had set down in the Rue de Clary, number 13, after this lady a gentleman whom he had taken to the Franciscan convent, Rue Saint-Martin. I promised a trifling reward to the driver, and under his guidance set out, as soon as it was day, to track my fifteen hundred francs, something in the way I had gone to discover the north-west passage. It appeared plain to me that the citizen of the Jacobin Club had confiscated them in right of his sovereignty. The lady in the Rue de Clary assured me she had seen nothing in the coach. I now reached the third and last station, entirely hopeless of success. The driver described the gentleman as well as he could to the porter of the convent. "'Oh, that is father so-and-so,' cried he. 
he then led me through the deserted galleries and rooms into one where i found a franciscan the only inhabitant of that large building and he merely remaining to make an inventory of the furniture of his convent this monk seated on a heap of ruins in a dusty garment listened attentively to my tale are you said he the chevalier de chateaubriand i answered in the affirmative here replied he is your pocket-book i had found your address in it and should have brought it to you after i had finished my work thus it was a despoiled and persecuted monk driven from his home and yet occupied in conscientiously making an inventory of what remained in his cloister for his proscribers who restored to me in these fifteen hundred francs the means of proceeding into exile had i never recovered this little sum i should not have emigrated what would have become of me my life's course would have been entirely changed now i would not go one step out of my way to pick up a million this adventure occurred on the sixteenth of june seventeen ninety two faithful to my instincts i had returned from america to offer my sword to louis the sixteenth not to involve myself in party intrigues the disbanding of the king's new guard in which was murat the successive ministries of roland du mourier and du port du tertre the petty court conspiracies or great popular movements only filled me with ennui and contempt i heard madame roland much talked of but did not see her her memoirs give evidence that she possessed extraordinary strength of mind she was said to be very agreeable whether sufficiently so as to make the cynicism of unnatural virtues tolerable is doubtful certain it is that the woman who at the very foot of the guillotine called for ink pen and paper to set down the discoveries which she made on her way from the conciergerie to the place de la revolution showed a preoccupation of mind and a disdain of life of which we have few examples madame roland possessed character rather than genius the former may give the latter the latter cannot give the former on the nineteenth of june i had gone to the valley of montmorency to visit j j rousseau's hermitage not that i found any pleasure in recollections of madame d'epinay and the factitious and depraved circle around her but i desired to bid adieu to the retreat of a man whose manners and mind were in strong opposition to my own although he was gifted with a genius whose voice had powerfully moved my youthful mind the next day the twentieth i was still at the hermitage and there met with two men wandering like myself in these deserted haunts during the day which told the knell of monarchy indifferent as they were or as i thought they would be to the affairs of the world the one was m Marais of the empire the other m barret of the republic the gentle barret had retired thither from the noise and tumult in his sentimental philosophy to address sweet little revolutionary sonnets to the shade of julie the troubadour of the guillotine in reference to whom the convention decreed that la terreur était à l'ordre du jour only escaped the murderous grasp of this same terror by hiding himself in the basket for the heads and from the depths of this bloody receptacle under the very scaffold he was only heard to croak la mort barret belonged to that species of tiger which oppian describes as formed from the light breath of the wind velocis zephyri proles ganganet and chamfort my old acquaintances in the literary world were charmed with the proceedings of this twentieth of june laharpe continuing his lessons at the lyceum cried in a stentorian voice madman you replied to all the representations of the people bayonets bayonets well now you have them although my voyage to america had made me a less insignificant personage i was utterly unable to rise to such a transcendent height of principle and eloquence fontaine was in rather a precarious situation in consequence of his former connection with the societe monarchique my brother belonged to a club of enragés the prussians were on their march in virtue of an agreement between the cabinets of vienna and berlin a rather warm engagement had already taken place between the french and austrians near mont 
it became imperatively necessary to determine on a course my brother and i procured false passports for lille we were two wine merchants national guards of paris wearing the uniform and intending to contract for provisioning the army my brother's valet louis poulain nicknamed st louis travelled under his own name he was going to see his relations in flanders although they lived at his native place lombal in brittany our departure was fixed for the fifteenth of july the day after the second federation we spent the fourteenth in the garden of tivoli with the rosambo family my sisters and my wife tivoli belonged to m boutin whose daughter had married m de malesherbes towards the close of the day we saw a number of federalists wandering about pell-mell with the sentence pétion ou la mort written in chalk on their hats tivoli my point of departure into exile was to become a rendezvous for games and fetes our relations parted from us cheerfully they were persuaded that we were merely going on a pleasure excursion my recovered fifteen hundred francs seemed a treasure sufficient to bring me back in triumph to paris End of chapter four